right, all right. This is day 99. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. Uh, my name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So <clears throat> today we're in Psalm 53 and Psalm 53. If you read, I hope you read uh, this morning or today. Uh, it is exactly it is almost identical to Psalm 14. Right. And the whole idea behind these two Psalms is that the universal hear this, the universal nature of sin cries out for the universal work of a savior right and you see how he starts off the fool says where in his heart there's no god they are corrupt they do vile deeds there's no one who does good he talks about this foolish person that lives life as if there is no god to whom he will give an account while i think we've said this before this can include right the outright atheist but an atheist one who does not believe in god um but it is more expansive than that, right? The next line provides the context. It says, you know, this cat is corrupt. <laughs> he does vile deeds, right? It is this person who lives as if God does not exist. And, um, you know, those who are not just atheists, but those who are practical atheists, the psalm wants to tell us, is foolish, right? The rejection of God is the beginning of foolishness. And, um, you know, it's funny that he's gonna talk about this issue and he'll say this is a pervasive pro problem, right? He says, all have become corrupt. All have turned away. No one does. Uh, there's no one who does good. Then he talks about the way that these sinners, they never keep their sin to themselves, right? Sinners never keep their sin to themselves. And he talks about the way the strong, right, exert their force upon the weak, how the powerful bear down with force on the power less and we know this to be true from history over and over and over again and what's interesting is that paul fam paul will pick up this text in romans chapter 3 to show that gen or, or uh jews and gentiles are all under sin right all have been born in sin shaped in iniquity right and naturally are in rebellion against their creator that sin has this universal scope and he sets it up so smooth he sets up the good news so smooth to say that Jesus is the savior of all of them, <laughs> Jew and Gentile, right? Uh, of the sinful folks that rebel against God, God um, comes and extends his power in making sinners righteous, not based on their own righteousness, but based on righteousness given to them by Christ. And at the end of the psalm, he goes in and he says, uh, you know, David says, oh, that Israel's deliverance would come from Zion. That place Zion in the Psalms uh, refers to Jerusalem, right? Where God's temple was, where the sacrifices were made. And literally he asks that Israel's Yeshua, right? Israel's deliverance, salvation, Yeshua, it's actually the same name for Jesus, would come from Zion, right? He wanted his deliverance to come from Zion. And a thousand years later, you know what happens? A guy named Yeshua, Jesus Christ, comes to Jerusalem. He heads to Jerusalem. And he offers himself, dies for his people, resurrects in Jerusalem. And then what? He pours out his spirit, completing the salvation that David and all the Old Testament saints ultimately long for. Psalm 54, my man David is on the run again. He is praying to the Lord for deliverance, for salvation, for help. Um, and the first thing he says is God, verse one, God, save me by your name, right? And vindicate, vindicate me by your 
might often in the Old Testament believers would call on the name of the Lord, right, to save them. And it literally wasn't just saying his name, his physical name that he could write on paper, but he was calling on the Lord himself. It was a substitute for God himself. In other words, to call on the name of the Lord is to call on the Lord. <laughs> All right. Look what he says. He says, save me, hear me, listen to me. And I love what he says after that. He says, violent men intend to kill me. And I wish I had time to talk about the way in which God delivers us from death, right? He is asking God, let me outlive the death that the enemy has awaiting for me, right? And this is such a great picture of what Christ does for us in the gospel, right? As savior, right? He is the one who saves us from death. Verse uh, John 11, uh, verse 25 is one of my favorite scriptures, in the entire Bible, I am the resurrection and the life. This is Jesus, the one who believes in me. Check this. Even if he dies, <laughs> will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's John 11, 25 and 26. David had to have some kind of faith to know that God could spare him from a death sentence. Psalm 55. Psalm 55 changes the pace. It's a um, a lament. And, uh, you know, he asks God uh, to be his help once again. And so we've often said in the gospel that God takes enemies, right? People who are opposed to him and he makes them his friends. Where we have here in this psalm, the reverse, where um, one of David's friends have become his enemy. Right. And like all laments, David turns to the only person that can help. And that is God himself. And the imagery here shows that David is shook. <laughs> David is shaking in his boots. Right. He is trembling. Right. And he expresses this in the psalm and he expresses his desire to flee. Right. And I think David is a lot like us. Right. Overwhelmed with his problems and wishing in one way or another that he could just leave them behind, right? And look what he says in verse nine. It's so interesting, don't miss it. He says, um, Lord, confuse and confound their speech for I see violence and strife in the city. What is he doing? He is giving a direct allusion to Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, what happens? The nations of the earth came together at the tower of this place called Babel, right? When all of the earth, the Bible says, had one language and they unified in language, used their unity to do something that is extremely ungodly, right? They tried to make a name for themselves and said, let's build a city with its top in the heavens. And God confuses their languages and scatters them throughout the earth. Well, guess what? David is calling on God to do the exact same thing here, right? We, this shows us that we, hear this, we can call on God to do what he's always done when we know he is who he's always been, all right? He says, do to them what you did before. And then I love where he goes after this. This is so good right here. He says, yo, um, um, he, he talks about in verses uh, uh, 12 to 14, the betrayal. And one of the deepest wounds that many have felt as you look down from the annals of history, and you may be included in this long line uh, of, of historical betrayal, um, from Judas to Brutus, right, to, 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 to all of the people in history that have betrayed someone close to him, 
He says, uh, now is not an enemy that insults me. Uh, otherwise, I could bear it. <laughs> it is not a foe who rises up against me. Otherwise, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man who is my peer, my companion and good friend. We used to we used to have close fellowship. We used to kick it, right? We walked with the crowd, kicking it height into the house of God. What David is saying is that the person he'd take a bullet for is the one standing behind the trigger, right? If it was a legit enemy, he's like, yo, that would be one thing, but the homie, right? But my, but my folk, right? The one I would go to worship the living God with that we would sit at church every week, you know, together. And, you know, it's, it's amazing that, you know, he, he talks about the way that, uh, if it was the enemy, he could hide, right? Like the, the scary thing about betrayal, the thing that is, can it be fatal, is that friends know you so well. They know your flaws. They know how they can catch you off guard, where you lay your head, where you're most vulnerable. And if you've if you're listening to this and you're yeah, your blood is boiling because you've been betrayed, I want you to know that the Bible wants to tell you you're not alone and that you can have solace in God, right? You don't have to avenge yourself. David is crystal clear in this song that the enemy that he's facing will receive what he's supposed to receive, right? And David is a is a better man than me, right? Because after he identifies the enemy and what he's done, he calls on God for justice. He calls on God to take vengeance. And I love that because we can tend to conflate um, getting revenge and God's Vengeance, right? Getting revenge in our own means, in our own way, in God's own work of taking up the just cause of those who are innocent. And um, the scriptures are so clear and so real and so human. And so he gives us solace in the justice and work of the Lord. Psalm 56, last psalm of this bunch. And David is calling on protection once again. And it is a psalm of trust. Verse three, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God, Again, what trust I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I want you to know that faith is not trusting God in the absence of fear, but trusting him in spite of the presence of fear. Look what verse three, right? He says, when, when I am afraid. Um, and then the thing too, it's not just about faith, right? Like faith is not, uh, in something abstract right it is faith in a god a real and true living god and his real and powerful word that we can trust in and um, our faith is only powerful hear this because of the object of our faith the one whom our faith is in right and what he can do for us it's so crazy because you know he calls on the lord um and I love where he goes after that. He says, you yourself, talking about God, have recorded my wanderings. Hear this. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? And this is one of, hear this, this is one of the most underrated truths in all of scripture. That God will make up for every single tear we have ever shed. Even the ones that we've forgotten about, right? 
He remembers them. And nothing, this just gives us hope, man. Like nothing in this life is in vain for God's people. Nothing in this life will not be made up for. Not even crying, right? Every tear that we drop, God catches, right? Every every tear that we drop, God catches. And having these truths buried deep in our heart leads us to say with the psalmist, then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. I love this, this part right here. This I know, God is for me. The one who is for us is so much greater than whatever or whoever could come against us. What the Lord has promised us in the future, future helps us to not be crippled today by our problems. Let's pray. Father, we ask for confidence in who you are and what you've done in your work. We love you and we thank you for sending your son that assures us that you care so much more about us 